1976, a family in Calgary, Canada, was renovating an old garage when they found some moldy old drawings behind a wall. And they passed those drawings along to the University of Calgary, and it wasn't very long for their historical significance to be recognized. The drawings were actually plans that were put forward way back in 1914 by an English architect named Thomas Mawson. They were plans for Calgary's future. According to Calgary's planning director, a man by the name of George Steber, it, speaking of Calgary, would have been the only city in North America with that formal a design. The blueprint, had it been adopted, would have made Calgary what some had called the Paris of the Prairies. But for some reason, whether it was the outbreak of of World War II or whether it was just the expense of carrying out the plan, those blueprints were never approved. And consequently, Calgary grew without the master plan being followed. Bob Barkley, who is a staff writer for the Calgary Herald, made this statement. Calgary, with its dusty, turn-of-the-century streets, newly vibrating with the brazen, horseless carriage, might have emerged from the bald prairie as a sandstone monument to European architecture. Might have emerged. As I read that, I couldn't help but think of the number of marriages and families in my nearly 40 years of ministry here over which could be written the words, what might have been. What might have been had they followed God's blueprint for the home. You see, God has a blueprint for every household that is represented here today. Because he is the ultimate marriage and family architect. I hold in my hands today God's blueprint for marriage and for the family. And it includes every detail. All that is needed on our part is a willingness to accept the plan and then submit our lives to his building program. So it's for that reason that I've titled the message this morning, The Father Knows Best. Now, under normal circumstances, this is the message that I would have opened this series with. But because last week was Mother's Day and we had the child dedication, I opted to preach last week on parenting. So here we go. Genesis chapter 2, look at verse 18. And the Lord God said... It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him, 
him and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whosoever, or excuse me, and whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found and help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib, which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones, and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of men. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. I believe this morning that what we just read is God's plan. It is his blueprint, if you will, for a dynamic marriage. And as I see it, there are three key factors involved in having a dynamic marriage and thus a dynamic home. And if you're taking notes this morning, write this down. First of all, dynamic marriages are formed according to God's will. I read recently of a woman who was talking about her husband, and someone asked her, well, where did you meet him? She said, I met him at the travel agency. He was the last resort. (laughs) And we laugh at things like that, but the sad truth is there are a lot of people who have married simply out of desperation and have either divorced or have been stuck in a bad marriage for what now seems like an eternity. I submit to you that marrying in God's will is a sure way to eliminate many of the problems that people face in marriages today. And note, I did not say all the problems. You will never resolve or avoid all of the problems in your marriage and here's why number one because you're a sinner and number two because the person you married is a sinner and now you have two sinners living in the same space I'm going to tell you they're going to be problems so what can we learn from these verses about God's will in marriage very simply first of all God has a person One thing that we glean from the details of God's creation of of Adam and Eve is that Eve was in the mind of God long before she was ever in the arms of Adam. If you'll take note here, Adam wasn't running around the garden frantically looking for someone to marry. You know how many Saturday nights Adam 
laid awake in his bed worrying because he didn't have a date? Zero. In all reality, Adam didn't even know he was alone until God awakened in him a desire for companionship. Here's Adam, and he's counting all of these animals and naming all these animals, and he says there's a Mr. and Mrs. Horse, and there's a Mr. and Mrs. Cow, and there's a Mr. and Mrs. Snake, and there's a Mr. and Mrs. Hippopotamus, and there's a Mr. and Mrs. This, and a Mr. and Mrs. That. And I think it was at that point that Adam experienced, maybe for the very first time, the urge to merge. <laughs> the point that I'm making here is that once desire for companionship is awakened in the heart of a young man or a young lady, they need to understand that God already has someone for them. That is, and it's another message for another time, and maybe we'll throw it in this series, that is, if it's God's will for them to marry. I think according to the Word of God, that for some, singleness is a gift. Listen, single adults, you don't need to be running from this club to that club or this church to that church or this dating site to that dating site to find that one. Just stay in God's will. Please, listen, please, wait on God. Because God has a plan. God's plan is to bring the right man together with the right woman at the right time. And by the way, God's plan works. I think we would all be amazed this morning to hear the stories from those sitting right here of how God brought them together. I'm telling you, there would be some pretty amazing stories. I've got a story. I had a plan. And then God had a plan. My plan was to marry the girl who first invited me to Fellowship Baptist Church and was ultimately responsible for me hearing the gospel and getting saved. That was my plan. Matter of fact, we were even engaged at one point. But God had another plan. God's plan was for me to travel to Denver, Colorado and meet a young lady in whose heart was a desire to serve God with all of her heart and to be in full-time ministry her whole life. And here we are nearly 40 years later. In a couple of weeks, we'll celebrate 38 years of marriage and ministry. I had a plan, but God had a better plan. And I'm so thankful this morning that I waited for God's plan. 
The problem with a, a lot of marriages today causing many of them to end in divorce is the fact that someone got ahead of God. And they didn't follow his plan. And they got desperate. And so they took matters into their own hands and today they're constantly having to deal with the consequences of their desperation. Listen to me this morning. Follow God's plan. It works. God has a person. God has a plan. God has a promise. Now, before I tell you about God's promise, let me tell you this story. This little girl at school had just learned the story, the whole story of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. And, and she was so excited about telling it to her mom. So when she got home, she made her mom sit down. And, and, and she began to tell her this story from the beginning all the way to the end. And when she got to the part where the handsome prince kissed Snow White, awaking her from her sleep, the little girl looked at her mom and she said, and do you know what happened next? Her mom said, well, of course I do. They live happily ever after. She said, no, 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 they got married. <laughs> Listen, if you will follow God's plan and wait for God's person, God promises that you can get married and live happily ever after. It doesn't have to be an either-or proposition. You really can be married and happy at the same time. That's tweetable right there. You can be married and happy, and every man in here better be prepared in just a minute to say amen. You can be married and happy at the same time. Right answer. If you marry in God's will. Dynamic marriages are formed according to God's will. Number two, dynamic marriages function according to God's word. Now, last week, I told you as I ventured into the area of child discipline that I was venturing into an area, and I was full aware of it, that I was venturing into an area where angels dare not even try. And I'm about to do that again. But all week, I've done the same thing. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. I've been convincing myself and reminding myself of that very thing all week long. But seriously, last week, like last week, I'm not going to apologize for the Bible. Because the Bible needs no apology. When God designed marriage, he designed every detail, including the role that the husband and the wife are to take. Note carefully that God made the woman from the man for the man. She was then given to the man and named by the man. That is not coincidental. That is providential. Because it illustrates the way in which a marriage and a home are to function. 
in God's original design for the home. Man was to be the head, and the woman was to be the helper. Would somebody smile at me right now? Would some woman choose to smile at me right now? So let's begin with the man as the head. There are some men who take the idea of headship way too far. Kind of like the guy named Daryl that I read about. He had just returned from a men's conference where he was challenged to be the head of his home. And so he resolved at that meeting that when he got home that he was going to become the head of his home. And so he walked through the door and immediately he made sure that his wife understood that he was now the boss. He said, from here on out, you will respect and obey my every word. Tonight, after you fix me dinner, I want you to prepare my bath so I can read and relax in a hot tub. And when I get finished, guess who's going to dress me and comb my hair? She looked at him and said, the funeral director. <laughs> Men, being the head doesn't mean you act like a tail. Now, I'll let you make your own interpretation there. Gentlemen, it's God's desire that you be a loving leader, not a demanding dictator. Leadership in the home is to be viewed as a responsibility, not a right. If you view leadership of your home as a right, then you're going to lead from a position of prominence, and you're going to generate a spirit of fear and strife from both your spouse and your children. But if you view leadership in your home as a responsibility, as we should, then you're going to be more prone to lead from the position of a servant and will generate a spirit of mutual love and respect from both your spouse and your children. Twice, Paul wrote and said, Husbands, Love your wives. I'm always reminded of what the great Bible commentator of yesteryear, his name was Matthew Henry, and he said this when he stated, woman was taken from Adam's side, not from his head to rule over him, not from his feet to be trampled on, but from his side to be equal with him, from under his arm to be protected, from close to his heart to be loved. On three different occasions in the New Testament, we read that Christ is the head of the church. 
Yet we read in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25 that he loved the church as the head. He loved the church and gave himself for it. Leadership and love go hand in hand. Man, can I just remind you this morning of what Paul said in 1 Corinthians But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. The head of the woman is a man. The head of Christ is God. Look at that. The head of every man is Christ. Guys, here's what that means. It means that one day, every one of us who are husbands will give an account to our head as to how we fulfilled our role as a loving leader in the home. So in God's plan, this isn't my plan, this is God's plan. In God's plan, man is the head, the woman is the helper. I want you to go back to verse 18. Are we still on the same page? We all right? Genesis 2, 18. And the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him and help meet. That's not one word. Help meet is not one word. I will make him and help who is meet for him. The Bible says that God created Eve to be Adam's helper. The meaning is not that he was to be, that she was to be his slave. In the strictest sense of the word, it means that she was Adam's completer. God knew that ultimately man would be incomplete without a wife. Everything Adam wasn't, she was. And ladies, I don't know how you see that, but I'll share with you how I see that, that there could could have been no greater honor bestowed on Eve than to be the finishing touch on the crown of God's creation. What an honor, ladies, that God topped it all off with you. That's how incredibly important you are. Paul put it this way. The woman is the glory of the man. I mean, any man in here that's worth his salt and has one lick of sense would say, Honey, you're what makes me look good. I know that's true in our marriage. And guys, if you were smart, you'd at least give me a holy grunt right there. (laughs) If not, you deal with it when you get home. In dynamic marriages, husbands and wives both accept their God-given roles. And each of them do their best with God's help. 
to fulfill those roles in a biblical way. And it's when those roles are not fulfilled according to God's plan that frustration sets in. And frustration leads to desperation. And desperation often leads to separation. Remember, when it comes to marriage, the father knows best. Dynamic marriages are formed according to God's will, and they function according to God's word, and they follow, number three, they follow God's way. Well, Pastor, what is God's way? Now look at verse 24 again. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Very simple. God's way involves three things. Leaving, cleaving, and weaving. I think it's interesting to observe here that Adam and Eve didn't have any parents to leave. So who do you suppose God was trying to help here? Us. That word is for us. God was giving some good advice here that if followed would make for a dynamic marriage. But at the same time, if it's not followed, and I have seen plenty of times, and I'm sure these other pastors have as well, I've seen plenty of times when it hasn't been either on the part of the child or on the part of the parent or both, and it's made for a desperate marriage, and sometimes even a disastrous one. I tend to agree with the preacher who said that some of the worst outlaws are in-laws. I just noticed that Dana looked over at Chris. Want to know what his response was going to be? Good move, Chris. Just straight ahead, brother. Straight ahead. I just happened to catch that. When God said that a man, and by the way, the same holds true for the woman, was to leave his father and his mother when he married. He meant that a man and a woman, and I've said this often in, in, in marriage ceremonies here, that, that the man and the woman at that point were to relinquish the highest position of commitment and devotion previously given to their parents in order to give that position to their spouse. Whereas before your prime, you were primarily a son or a daughter, listen, once you said, I do, you then became primarily a husband and a wife. And it is that relationship that deserves your preeminent loyalty. I would say to all the married couples here, but especially to those who are just starting out, 
while you should honor your parents, and I don't care how old they get or how old you get, you should honor, always honor your mom and dad. And don't hesitate to seek their counsel. And certainly there's nothing wrong with expressing your love and your appreciation for everything they've done to you. But I would also say this, you need to learn to build your own family. And make your own decisions. And all parents, like myself, we need to get out of the way and let them do what I just said. We need to let the husband lead and the wife follow. Let them build their own home. Let them establish their own relationships. Let them stumble every now and then. It's okay. Talk about cleaving. Strong's Concordance says that the word cleave means to cling or to adhere. And I know it's not lost on me this morning that some of you here have had to suffer through the devastation of divorce. My heart goes out to you. But let me just say this. God never intended for divorce to be a part of the marriage relationship. And I'm not condemning divorcees. Anyone who knows me knows that's not how I roll. If you're here this morning and you're a divorcee, you are welcome, forever welcome at Fellowship Baptist Church. And there is a place for you to serve in the fellowship family. So that's not what I'm doing this morning. I'm just saying that from the beginning, divorce was never in God's plan. His intention from the very start was one man for one woman for one lifetime. And in a perfect world, it would be that way. Every time. But alas, we don't live in a perfect world. We live in a fallen world where sinners get married and sin enters the relationship. And sometimes sin wins. And there's divorce. I get that. And so we have to deal with broken relationships. But I want you to listen to this quote by a man named Elton Trueblood in his book, The Recovery of the Family. Here's what he said. A successful marriage is not one in which two people, beautifully matched, find each other and get along happily ever after because of the initial matching. It is instead a system by means of which persons who are sinful and contentious are so caught up in a dream bigger than themselves that they work throughout the years in spite of repeated disappointment to make that dream come true. The fact of the matter is this morning, Marriage is hard work. 
And there are going to be some tough times. But purpose in your heart that you're going to stick it out for the glory of God and the hope of one day having a dynamic marriage. And then there's this one flesh principle weaving. Far too often today, couples approach marriage as if it were a partnership and not a relationship. They are more like roommates than they are husband and wife. In some marriages, it it seems like everything a husband and wife do is by themselves, for themselves, except for an occasional coming together in a physical way. They just live their separate lives, yet say they're married. Personally, I don't think that's the way God intended for it to be. God's way is for a husband and a wife to become one. Physically, emotionally, and spiritually. That's God's way. And that's the best way. Because the Father knows best. In 1888, I'm going to wrap it up. In 1888, the Supreme Court of the United States said this concerning marriage. It is an institution, the maintenance of which in its purity, the public is deeply interested. For it is the foundation of the family and of society, without which there would be neither civilization nor progress. 1888. I submit to you that one reason our nation is in the mess that it's in is because the foundation of marriage is crumbling and is in need of repair. And I would submit to you, and again, there are pastors here this morning that I think would confirm this, that the same could be said of many churches. That they're in a mess because the foundation of marriage is crumbling and is in need of repair. And finally, I would submit to you that if the state of your marriage right now could be better described as desperate than dynamic, it's because it was either formed out of God's will or it's not functioning according to God's word, as the husband is the head, the wife is the helper, Or it's not following God's way. So yeah, Pastor, it's this. Whatever you would say, I would venture to guess that it could be included in one of those three things. So as we 
bow our heads and humble our hearts and enter into our time of invitation.